If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be looking at Matthew 5. Um, we're going to focus on verses 14 to 16, but we're going to start in verse 13 just to catch the context. So friends, listen. This is the word of God. This is Jesus talking. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of Christ. So Jesus says here in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Man, what a title. You're the light of the world. Depending on how you take this, this title can produce either arrogance or humility, right? I mean, it could spark either disbelief and skepticism or wonder. Jesus declares this over his followers because he wants you to share the light of his truth and warmth. With others. Okay, that's the one point that we're going to see today. If you want to write something down, here's the point Jesus wants you to share the light of his truth and warmth with others. That's why he calls you the light of the world. Now, if you're the light of the world, how'd you get the light? Right? How, how did this come about? Well, the light comes through the blessings of God's kingdom. Okay? And we've seen this already. It's in the Beatitudes. In verses 3 to 12, Jesus says, Blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. And it's kind of like when you're putting up your lights at Christmas. Every time Jesus says, Blessed are those, it's another strand of lights being plugged in. Okay? Every time you experience the beatitude attitude. Every time you're poor in spirit, you mourn, you're meek, you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Every time you're merciful, you're pure in heart, you're a peacemaker, and you're persecuted. You are the light of the world. That's where the light comes from. And it's interesting that Jesus explains it in this way, calling us the light of the world, because for him to call his people that, it means that there's something big that's happening. Okay, there are stories that begin in the Old Testament. Stories that that start out and then they fail. Right? The story of Israel is a story of failure. God called them to be the light of the world. God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God wanted Israel to be the one place where the world could get it right so that people would see them getting it right and they would also come and experience God. 
But as you read the Old Testament, you realize that Israel failed. Israel wasn't a light to the world. And so for Jesus to call his people the light of the world, it meant that something was happening. There are promises in the Old Testament. In the midst of the failure of Israel, God makes promises. Listen to Isaiah chapter 49. This is verse 3. It says this, And he said to me, You are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. And now the Lord says, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So you see that. There's a time when Israel will finally be a light again. Jesus is saying that as he's speaking, that is happening now. When Jesus utters these words, as he lays out the Beatitudes, as he describes for his disciples what it means to follow him, he then says, and when you do this, you are the light of the world. You will be God's intention. You will fulfill God's promise. Jesus is calling his disciples the light of the world, telling them that finally God's promise is coming true. Something new is happening with Jesus. Now I think, like I was asking the question, you know, is it really wise for Jesus to tell his followers this? You know, this might sound like, hey guys, gals, you are the answer to the world's problems. What kind of emotion does that stir up in you? Think about that. Won't this breed arrogance? I mean, God knows, and so do non-Christians, that Christians have this ability to come across as arrogant. Right? Christians have a tendency sometimes um, to think that they're better than everybody else. Do we deserve to be called the light of the world? Think about that. The answer to that question is why we confessed our sins today. It's why we confess, because we know the temptation. We know the Bible's warning against arrogance. And so we saw in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, it says, we are not sufficient in ourselves. To claim anything is from us, but our sufficiency is from God. God has made us sufficient. 2 Corinthians 4, the light of the gospel is the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. So we see that. The truth and the warmth that we share. It's the truth and the warmth of Jesus. It's his truth and his warmth. It doesn't make Christians any better than anyone else. It makes Christians servants to everyone else. That's the call. And Jesus actually puts a really nice summary on this. In John chapter 8, verse 12, listen to what Jesus says. This is great. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. 
So he's the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, so what we see there is that Jesus is the light. But if you follow him, then you'll have his light. Okay, his light is the light that you shine. Okay, it's his eternal life that you get to experience. Jesus rose from the dead, has ascended into heaven, and is living now forever. Death no longer has any, any ability to touch him. He's living in the glorious bliss of eternity. When you believe in him, he shares that with you. And that's the light that you shine. That's the truth that you shine and the warmth that you shine. You may be the light of the world, but what you are is a light that needs to be plugged into a source of electricity. Does that make sense? And so far from breeding arrogance, understanding what Jesus is saying, it makes us servants. This is why Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are humble. They recognize it's not about them. It's about him. It's about him. Jesus came to bring his truth and his warmth to the world. And what this verse tells us is that he's not going to do it without you. He wants you to share his truth and his warmth. That's, that's what he's aiming for. So what does it mean to be light? What does the Bible say about the light of the world? Well, in the Bible, light is truth. Okay? Light's truth. Psalm 119, 105. Uh, this is a, a kind of a famous verse. Sometimes we teach this to our kids. It says this. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Okay? So we see that the truth, the Bible is God's word. It reveals God. The Bible tells us who God is and what God's like. 1 John 1, 5 even says, he says, This is our message, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so the Bible is designed to reveal God. It tells who God is. It tells what God is like. Now, <clears throat> when you think about light, especially when you think about it in Jesus' day, you know, what were the sources of light? When Jesus said, you're the light of the world, what kinds of light could he have had in mind? Think about it. Got the sun, right? Got the sun, you've got fire. You got a, you know, a lamp. He mentions a lamp here in our passage. You got candles. And what's interesting about every one of these sources of light is that each of these things not only provided light, but they also provided warmth. Right? These were warm lights. And so if the truth is what we share about God and about life, then the warmth is how we share it. Okay? It's the truth and the warmth. Jesus wants both to come from us. If we are the light of the world, he wants both his truth and his warmth flowing from us. John 1.17 says that grace and truth 
were revealed through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.15 says that we need to speak the truth in love. Right? So we see this really wonderful connection because truth without warmth is arrogance. Truth without warmth is holier than thou. It's it's arrogance. It's, it's self-righteousness. Now, warmth without truth, well, that can provide temporary comfort to the sick while their sickness kills them. Right? If you're not going to be honest with somebody about the diagnosis, then all the warmth that you can provide isn't going to help them get better. And so Jesus wants us to shine his truth and his warmth. So in this, I mean, this is talking about everyone, okay? Jesus is speaking to his disciples. They were the ones who followed him up the mountain, and he taught them. But this is true, that you are the light of the world. This is true for every one of Jesus' followers, okay? It's not just for the super-Christians, okay? Jesus says this to this group of followers, and they're just starting out, right? This is the beginning of their time following Jesus. You know, and if you read on in Matthew, you're going to see that this is a group of disciples who will be confused, they'll be wrong, they'll be mean, they'll be slow, they'll be selfish, they'll be cowardly. They're the light of the world? It's kind of interesting. You'd think Jesus might want to save this for the end of his ministry. All right, now, now you're the light of the world. Right? Now go go disciple the nations. Because now you're ready. But he says it to him at the beginning. What's he thinking? Well, Jesus is thinking that, um, that he's a savior. Jesus came to save not perfect people. He came to save sinners. He came to save sinners. You don't have to clean up your life before you follow Jesus. It's huge. We need to hear that over and over and over again. Because sometimes we fall into things. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Sometimes we walk away from God and we think, oh man, I can't show up at church. I can't go to community group like this. Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus would look you in the eye in your sin and say, you're the light of the world. Last week, he said, you're the salt of the earth. You are the one that I've chosen. I want you to shine my truth and my warmth to others. Jesus didn't want perfect people. He wanted people whose lives would highlight his perfect forgiveness. Okay? Jesus didn't come for perfect people. He doesn't want perfect people. He wants people who will, whose lives will highlight his perfect love. These are the people who best share his truth and his warmth. These are people who are well acquainted with the frustrations of life 
well acquainted. Like, we just, we get it. We know that we're not all that. We know how much we need Jesus. Jesus says, yeah, 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 those are the people that will do the best job sharing my truth and my warmth. Because they won't share truth without warmth, because they get it. They know that they need me as much as the person they're talking to, maybe even more. Someone shared this amazing quote from Charles Spurgeon. And if you're struggling this morning, I want you to hear this. He says, You may be sighing and groaning because of sin and mourning over your darkness, yet the Lord sees light in your heart, for he himself put it there. You might see all the cloudiness and the gloom of your soul and that it can't conceal your light from God's gracious eye. You may have sunk low in despondency and even despair, But if your soul has any longing at all toward Christ, and if you're seeking to rest in his finished work, then God sees the light. He not only sees it, but he also preserves it in you. This is a precious thought to those who, after anxious watching and guarding of themselves, feel their own powerlessness to do so. If you're struggling, but you're holding on to the cross of Jesus, you are the light of the world. That's one of the messages that Jesus wants to send out. That no matter how bad things are, no matter how big th- bad things you get, no matter how frustrated you are, no matter how depressed you might feel about your lack of progress, if you're holding on to the cross, Jesus wants the world to see that because it offers hope to everyone else who's in the same boat. Charles Spurgeon finishes the quote, and he says, The light thus preserved is by grace. He will one day develop that light into the splendor of noonday and the fullness of glory. The light that's within is the dawn of the eternal day. no matter how faint the light is right now in you, God will preserve that light and he will cause it to shine brighter and brighter until it shines with the glory of eternity. So if you have a relationship with the light of the world, you become the light of the world. Jesus' truth exposes your sin. And his warmth covers it with forgiveness and kindness. When you experience that, it changes you. You become filled with the warm truth of the gospel. And folks, that's the light that San Diego needs. That's the light that your coworkers need, your family members need, your friends and your neighbors. That's what they need. And so how has God's truth changed you? How has the truth of God changed you in some way? What's different about your life because of God's truth? Write something down. Just write down one way that God's truth has changed you.
And then how has God's warmth changed you? What's different about you because God has showered you with his loving kindness and his patience? What's different about you because of that? Write that down. This is the beginning of the truth and the warmth that Jesus wants you to share with others. Now, in verse 15, Jesus turns the corner a little bit. And he says, don't hide your light. He says, don't hide your light. If we could turn the lights down. Um, In verse 15, Jesus addresses a situation. It's kind of silly. Can we kill the ones in the back too, Chris? No, we can't? Okay. Um, I mean, in this place, Jesus, he says, you know, nobody lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it. Nobody does that. Why would anybody do that? Right? That's just silliness. But Jesus is addressing a very real situation. Something that we all experience constantly. Why would anyone hide their light? Why would anybody, why would a Christian hide the truth and the warmth of Jesus from others? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just let your light shine? I think there's a bunch of things that cause us to do this silly thing. Right? If this room was dark and I cover that up, we wouldn't be able to see it all. Right? Why would we do this? Well, I mean, I think the first thing that occurs to me as I studied this and thought through my own experience, the thing that causes me to cover my light and to hide my light is fear. It's fear. Fear of what people will think and how people will respond. I think there's fear that what I might share won't apply to them. Like they won't think it's relevant to their lives. You ever feel that way? I think I also hide because of insecurity. Because at the moment, I value others' opinions more than I value the opinion of Jesus. I think, too, there's shame. There's shame sometimes that causes us to hide because we're hypocrites and we know it. Or because we don't think that we have light to shine. We might think that our lives just aren't good enough to share with others. Or maybe we're just stuck in sin. Well, when you give in to the fear or the insecurity or the shame when that causes you to not share, Jesus says that you are hiding the light. When you give in to fear, when when you give in to insecurity and shame, you are hiding the light. 
It's the light that Jesus wants to shine into the lives of your neighbors and your family members, your colleagues, your coworkers. Now, I know it's difficult. Like, I'm a pastor, and I experience it. This is hard. This is hard to do. I get it. I know what it's like to be in that situation, and you just think, I can't open my mouth, or I can't share this. I know that some of you are in incredibly dark situations. Whether it's because of the people who are around you or because you're suffering. You're suffering and you don't even think about the light. You just want to check out. You want to go numb. You want to give up. You just want to walk away. Friends, you need to remember that the light shines brightest when the night is darkest. You need to understand that when it's darkest, so something about how fire also needs oxygen. So, friends... If you spend too long hiding the light, that's what happens. Cause the light to go out. If you cut yourself off from Jesus, who is the light, if you walk away from the faith, if you give yourself into sin and to darkness, your light will go out. I mean, that's just true. Your light will go out. But in the midst of the darkness, like that's when Jesus wants to shine the most. Because when you're suffering, when things are really, really awful, when you are really, really struggling, that's the moment when you can shine the brightest. That's the moment when your testimony, when you following Jesus in your actions, following Jesus in your words, that's when it makes the biggest impact. When people see that you have no reason why you should walk and follow Jesus, and yet you do, then what you say by your life is, Jesus is so much more important than anything this life has to offer. Right? That the glories and the blessings of Jesus can't even begin to compare to the suffering that I'm experiencing. I know some of you are in a black hole. But Jesus overcomes the darkness. Jesus overcomes and has overcome the worst of suffering. He knows what it's like to suffer. And his light in you is stronger. It's stronger and he wants you to shine. It's not going to make sense to the people around you when you rejoice in your suffering. It won't make sense when you joyfully accept the difficulties in your life. But how much brighter will your light shine? When you follow, when you let your light shine, you will show that Jesus is real. That he is real. And then he makes a difference in your life. 
We turn the lights back on. I mean, it's interesting, when our lights go out, what we need is light from outside of us, right? This is part of why you come to church, so that you can be reminded of the light of Christ and let his light touch you. Let his light re-energize your light. Because that's what happens. As we worship him, we connect to him. As we hear his word, we are restored. We are healed. As we come to communion, that is us plugging into Jesus. So if you've failed in this, if you've been hiding your light, not sharing the truth and the warmth of Jesus, there's one thing to do. Just climb back up the hill and sit down with Jesus. Go back to the beginning where Jesus is up on the hill and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. If you're honest with God and with yourself, you say, God, I'm sorry. God, I have been poorly, poor in in shining your light. And I'm sad about that. God, I'm ready for you to teach me again. I'm hungering and thirsting for your light. God, you have been merciful to me and I want to share that mercy and that love with others. That's it. You go back to the hill and you start again. You confess your sin, you repent, and Jesus will relight you. He will reignite your flame and you'll shine. Another quote from Charles Spurgeon in a different place. Jesus' love is a fire that burns now just as vehemently as it did the first day that you believed. He said, we have sometimes fallen so low that our hearts have been like steel, incapable of emotion, yet Jesus has loved us all the while and softened our hard hearts as the glorious sun melts the icebergs of the sea. Take your pencil and paper and try to set down in figures or in words your total indebtedness to his love. Where will you begin? And when you've begun, where will you finish? If you were to record one out of a million of his love gifts to you, would the whole world be able to contain the books that might be written concerning them? No. All you can say is, behold, how he loved us. And I think this passage gives us an interesting window so that you can be sure that Jesus does love you and he loves you that much. Jesus says in the end of verse 14, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, Jesus was that city set on a hill He climbed the hill of Calvary and was crucified so that the world might see. So that you might see. Jesus became a beacon of hope and of new life to everyone, drawing people to worship his Father by embodying the way of self-giving love. 
It's the cross of Jesus that proves. He went up on a hill and he shone his light, the light of his love. While heaven itself went dark for Jesus, he was loving you. That's how real his love is for you. And so all of this leads us to the one simple command that Jesus gives. He's been hitting at it the whole time, but he finally comes out in verse 16 and says it. Shine. Shine. Since you are the light of the world, shine. Let your light shine before others. Take off the cover. Take off the basket. Let your light shine. Jesus says, share my warmth and my truth with others. You shine by your actions, by your words, your attitudes. You can show people the light of Jesus. You can show people that Jesus is good by how you talk about him and how you treat them. You can show people that Jesus is a comfort in suffering, that he is worth following, that he gives you a peace and a joy that transcends circumstance. Jesus is renewing the world. He's renewing the world and he's starting with the people who follow him. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. This is the vision for our church. Right? We want to see this light shine in more and more people. This is why we plant churches, why we want to see our church grow. It's because we want to fill San Diego with people who are committed to sharing the light of Jesus' truth and warmth everywhere. Everywhere. Here's one example. I got an email this week, or it might have been two weeks ago, but it said this, many, many thanks for your prayers and your support. It means a lot. I think the only reason I've been surviving in my job right now is because of those prayers. Listen to this. I'm enduring remarkably well, especially considering that some of my colleagues really feel crushed under the massive weight of the dues uh, that this organization has. So everybody is being crushed. And yet this person's enduring. That's an example. That's shining the light. Let your light shine before others. Jesus says when we do this, when we shine the light of his truth and his warmth, people will see it. Verse 16. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. People will see this. They will see God in you. They'll see your good works, your actions, your attitudes, your words, and they'll know when you're in their hearts. You know what? This is how I should be. They'll hear you talk about your relationship with God, and they'll know, I need that kind of a relationship with God. They'll see you following Jesus. They'll hear about how he gives you strength and purpose. And they'll know, 
<clears throat> I need that strength and purpose in my life. They'll hear you talk about Jesus, and they will think, man, God really should be that way. Like, that's how God should be. They will see your good works, and then they will give glory to your Father in heaven. It may take time, but if you show them the reality of the light of Jesus' truth and warmth, Jesus says they will come to a place where they don't just see the light, but they will come to the light. And Jesus will light them. That's what we want, right? That's what we want. We want to shine light on Jesus so people are drawn to him. So just two things then by way of application beyond what we've said already. Two things that I'd like you uh, to commit to. The first is that we have eight weeks between now and Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is a day that many people are willing to come to church when they normally won't. So eight weeks is about two months. So I'd like you to commit for the next eight weeks to letting your light shine, to begging God to help you do it, to being part of a community group that will help you do it, to sharing stories about it being done, but let your light shine for the next eight weeks so that people would see your good works and want to know your God on Easter Sunday. That's the first thing. The second thing is that I want you to plug into the light. I want you to plug into the light. Jesus is the light, and this word reveals who he is. We're going to start a new series next week called How to Understand the Bible. We're going to spend at least 30 days just studying what Jesus says about the Bible and how we can understand it, how it can powerfully transform us, how we can let our, our light shine even brighter. And so for the next month, I want you to devote yourself to God's Word. I want you to spend some time every day reading the Bible. Read it and ask yourself, Jesus, where do I see your light and how can I shine this light? Okay, if you're willing to do that, please fill this connection card out and just let me know because I want to pray for you over the next eight weeks. I want to pray for you over the next month as we study scripture together. If you need help knowing what should I study over the next month, Just write that down. Write it on this connection card. You can hand it to me after the service. You can drop it in one of the offering boxes, hand it in the information table, however you want. But I want to challenge you because if we do this, okay, if you commit to letting your light shine and then plugging into the light of the world, God is going to do something exciting in your life over the next 30 and 60 days. And we'll be able to give him glory for it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that when you call us the light, that we know that we are lights that plug into you. It's you, Lord, that can shine through us, and that's what we want.
Lord, help us to shine our light in a way, not so that people would focus on us, but help us to live in a way so that people would focus on you, on your hope, on your love, on your warmth and your truth. Lord, meet us as we seek you in the Bible. Help us to find more of your truth and more of your warmth as we look into it every day. And show us, Lord, what you can do. Show us what you're willing to do when we come to you, the light. Amen.